and Mahomes at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks, Super Bowl 55. Whoops. Hello and welcome to the Bucks Banter Podcast. I am your host, Colin Hallboom, and we are back for another division preview. I am joined by my beautiful co-host, Scott Capron and Bo Danyard. How's it going, gentlemen? Hey, man. Pretty good. Doing Pretty good. good. Feeling good, man. It's Friday, Friday night. it's Friday night as we record this, so you may hear some uh, ice cubes jingling about in the background. Don't be alarmed. Yeah, it's it's also how you can tell we, we all have lives as it's Friday night and we're super willing to record, so let's do it. Yeah, maybe some better moods than our uh, early week Monday episode that we do live for Bucks Report. So uh, this will, of course, be available for viewing on our YouTube channel, Bucks Banter. And of course, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Apple Podcasts. Uh, today, we have done one division preview so far. We, we're, we're sticking in the AFC. So uh, in our first division preview, we covered the AFC South. Today, we are going to be discussing the AFC East. Uh, lots to talk about, lots of intriguing um, storylines in this division, as there really is in every division in football. So I don't want to waste any time, boys. I want to get right into it. Let's start by talking about the New York Jets. Oh, I think you're the first person that's ever said that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, just throwing it out there, yeah. Yeah, you're probably – I mean, I'm sure some people in New York, but um, – <laughs> Nope. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> they think they're still there in New Jersey. Yeah, they're still talking about the Giants. So, of course, the Jets last season were 2-14, and 14, second worst record in football. Haven't made the playoffs since 2010. Um, and in terms of their offseason, what they've done, uh, they added some nice pieces. I mean, so, some veteran quality talent. They, they brought in Carl Lawson to uh, add some some pop to their edge rushing corpse. So that's that's a great move. Uh, Corey Davis, if he's able to stay on the field, and of course he's already been hurt, uh, would in theory provide a good veteran, solid presence as a receiver. Uh, I wouldn't exactly call it anything to write home about. Um, linebacker Gerard Davis, defensive back LaMarcus Joyner. Uh, those are some of the guys who, who they've brought into the mix through free agency. Um, they lost two solid linebackers, Terrell Basham and Jordan Jenkins, who were solid. Um, but also the thing, the thing with the Jets, you got to remember, is they had a really good draft, at least according to my observations. Uh, I really like what they did. Uh, Zach Wilson, of course, is was a second overall selection quarterback out of BYU. Uh, with their with their second selection, they took Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive lineman out of USC. That was a major steal. Uh, and then uh, they had two more steals as well with their next two picks. They took Elijah Moore, uh, incredibly productive receiver at Ole Miss, out of Ole Miss. Uh, he slipped out of the first round, so that was um, the Jets' gain there. They desperately needed to add some punch as, at the wide receiver position. Um, and then in the fourth round, they, they landed Michael Carter, the running back out of North Carolina. I've talked about each of these players. We have talked about each of these players individually on uh, some of our draft episodes, but those are, um, I would say that's an even more impressive haul than what they did in free agency. 
Yeah, uh, funny thing about their draft, they got Michael Tuck, uh, Michael Carter, sorry, uh, in the fourth round. I think in the fifth or the sixth, they got they got Michael Carter the second. As the well. DB, DB, the right? DB, yeah. So it looks like they they got they drafted a father and son combo. But um, if the Jets didn't have to play any games, I would say they're a lot better because on paper, they did everything right. They won the off season, uh, and for this division at least, they they. Uh, and it's tough knowing that what the Patriots did in the offseason as well, too. But we'll get to that later. But um, the Jets had a great draft. They they signed they signed guys that weren't too out of pocket from a price standpoint. And then they let go of some guys who I think a lot of Jets fans would have liked to see uh, the, those linebackers that they let go. Uh, maybe get a second look from, from Robert Sala uh, mm-hmm. and see how they do in that in that offense or that defense. Sorry, um, but. Not a huge loss coming off of where they were, like you said it. Um, yeah, two 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 wins last year. It's not a lot to improve on. And while yeah. story Scott, before you go, just while they're bringing back CJ Mosley, right? Who opted out for COVID, yeah. so that's a, a tremendous linebacker yeah. they have coming he's back. Never, he, he's never played a full game for them either, right? I think he got injured. He pulled a groin at the very first game that he signed with them, and then he didn't come back. I think he tried to come back from that. But then they they shut him down in 2019. Then 2020, he opted out. He opted out. Some some franchises, eh? Like how jetsy is that for that to yeah. happen, right? Yeah. But and and Bo, as you were uh, touching on there, just I mean, there's there's basically nowhere to go but up. It's not like yeah. they were five and eleven and missed the playoffs again. Like they were two and fourteen. And did they lose their first thirteen? I think it, I think they were zero and thirteen, and they. Yeah somehow beat the Rams. Yeah, it was the Rams. So they, they only had two wins last year, like the week 15 against the Rams. Goff was super bad in that oh, game. He had like a 20, 20 QBR. Underdog. Yeah, and then the Browns, they beat the Browns somehow. Week 16, back-to-back wins. That was um, so, either yeah. Baker. Baker, Baker had like three fumbles in that game. Like yeah, they okay. just kept on giving them the ball. So, yeah, they were they – were, I was looking at their DVOAs. Um, they were 21st on defense, which better than you would expect, but they mm. were probably just on the field way too often to ever uh, be better than that. And then 31st on offense. Yeah. They were overall 32nd in DVOA in the league, so the worst in the league last year. Even worse than the Jacksonville Jaguars, who only had one win. So yeah. um, it's it speaks to how bad they were. So, yeah, the coaching change is a big, big for them. Robert Sala coming in. Hopefully, have a completely revamped defense. Um, Robert Sala also brought in Mike Lafleur, who is Matt Lafleur's younger brother. Um, oh, no they have like, yeah, really weird. Like this, like San Francisco, Green Bay, and uh, the Rams are just like all of their coaches are all friends. Like Sean McVay was in Matt Lafleur's uh, wedding party. Robert Sala worked for Sean McVay. Uh, Robert Sala is now a head coach who hired Mike LaFleur, who was on the 49ers uh, as their OC before this. Like, really interesting the way that they, they operate. But, yeah, I think we're going to be talking about those, like, five coaches all the time. Did you guys – have you guys tuned in at all to the Flying Coach podcast? Did we did we mention that last episode, I think, briefly? I, 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 I don't know if you did, yeah. but, yeah, I, I have. It, I, yeah. I listened to the one with uh, – Cliff Kingsbury the other week. Me too. Did you, yeah. did you hear the Tom Brady story? 
yeah. yeah, yeah, it was awesome. That was awesome. Pretty cool. Like, uh, I, apparently, like I actually didn't didn't watch the whole episode, so I'm more paraphrasing from what I've heard. But like, yeah, sounds like they kind of turned it up the one night, had a bunch of drinks, and then Kingsbury woke up. The next morning, maybe at like eight, went for a cruise in like a golf cart or something around the property. Where were they? They were in like they're at a wedding. They're, they're in yeah, at a wedding in like Barbados? the Bahamas or something. Bahamas, I can't. Yeah. I, I don't know where exactly, but you yeah. know what? It was Go where um, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, and Justin Thomas used to always do their like boys' spring break golf trip kind of thing. But I guess it got devastated by a. Uh, uh, hurricane or whatever anyway they rebuilt it and then they had a wedding there sorry yeah for, like from the podcast yeah. i know you said you didn't you didn't listen to it but kingsbury describes it as like the ultimate adult playground like coming from kingsbury yeah. i don't know if, if you watch like the whole podcast mcveigh's just ripping into him pretty much the whole time just being i you I are kingsbury <laughs> knows his way around an adult playground too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, like they're not shy about bringing that up at all so yeah, yeah. anyways they get after it right and yeah. yeah i'll let you finish the story no i was just gonna say kingsbury actually has an adult playground behind his fireplace <laughs> at his yeah. arizona mansion yeah what is going on with the fire anyways yeah, yeah that, was a, that was a sweet story for sure to be a young attractive uh head coach in the nfl wouldn't be so bad would it seriously yeah, yeah so apparently, apparently, uh, below 500 in college and uh then get the call up to coach uh the number one pick at quarterback pretty that's pretty good i was yeah. trying to like see if we could mention cliff kingsbury's name without just like attacking him but we can't seem to do it as a group we're, well, I'm, I'm trying. I have I have a lot of res- after listening to that podcast. I have a lot of respect for Cliff Kingsbury. I, hope I like him. Work out for He's him. like yeah. a great dude. I just I I'm still surprised by his like lack of originality on offense and his conservative play calling in a lot of cases. And the, his record at Texas Tech speaks for itself. I'm sorry. Well, I was just about to say I'm not going to apologize, but I did. But now I'm taking it back because. There is room for criticism there, but he does seem like a sweet guy. So there you go. Yeah. So if I can finish the story, bags, if I can finish the story from the podcast I didn't even listen to, that would be appreciated. Uh, um, no. So apparently Kingsbury is pretty hungover, uh, without saying it outright, and he's just like cruising around on the golf cart, trying to like you know wake up a little bit, and he sees Brady just drenched in sweat on like a lawn bowling course, like doing a plyometric workout at like before uh before 9 a.m or whatever he's after, doing like, dropbacks he's doing dropbacks with a speed belt on so there's like a tension cord as he's dropping back and he's just like nailing every throw according to kingsbury and kingsbury's just like i don't i don't understand what's going on here oh what a psycho brady is and i love it yeah and, and kingsbury's sure. like Maybe. everyone was smashed like like brady i saw brady drinking heavily like basically okay. like he threw not that he was throwing anyone under the bus but he's just like we're in this adult playground. Everyone's wasted. Nobody has their kids. Like everybody's going crazy. Brady, yeah, I heard he, I heard he was very diplomatic. Very but, yeah, he was. Um, oh. oh, I said Brady turned down a strawberry daiquiri naturally. <laughs> album before, so it didn't want to straight start. tequila, straight rum. Got it. So you're right. You guys are right, though. Like, like the they can't do any worse, right? They're gonna win more than two games. You have to assume because they have made improvements. Like they've had a nice off season based on. I mean, it's not hard because they had they had to do something to improve. They've done that. I absolutely love Mackay Becton, their young franchise left yeah. tackle. 
um, mentioned CJ Mosley coming back. I'm really like it's funny the whole uh, in in terms of um, in terms of Zach Wilson, just like leading up to the draft. I don't know about you guys, but he really he, he's he was it was so early understood that he was going to be the pick at two. It's almost like he didn't get talked about. Like Matt, you heard Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. Yeah. And even Trevor Lawrence, those names were, were, were constantly being discussed. But but he just kind of slid into number two, even though he's going to New York, wasn't talked about much. I'm really excited to see what he can do. I didn't watch a lot of him at BYU. Obviously, he has uh, pretty special arm talent and all the physical tools. Um, and it's, all indications are he's you know a, a great team player and a good leader. And coming out of camp there, you've heard uh, Elijah Moore praising the way he throws the ball and, and his uh, – his command of, of his teammates and stuff. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. It's super wild that we went through that whole draft process with him and he was just labeled as either Rogers or Mahomes by basically every pundit, like that he has that type of arm talent. And we just never talked about him. Like he's just kind of like, we're just like, Oh yeah, he's going to go number two. Like if he's really that good, like why didn't he go number one? And I don't know. Like, yeah, I was, I, I have those same questions about him. I'm interested to see, uh, how how good he actually is but bo i think colin's right with just when the pick becomes so obvious you know five six weeks before the draft whenever it was you know basically set in stone with um with the jets taking wilson there are just so many other guys and potential stuff potential trades and whatever to talk about in the draft it's like all right yeah file that away like no big issues with Wilson at two. All right, great. Let's not spend any time on it. I'm pretty skeptical, to be completely honest. Like, do I think he's going to be better than Sam Darnold right away? No, I don't think so. And after looking at who their backups are, they don't have some reliable, you know, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, we were talking about Houston in the last pod, like a Tyrod Taylor. or Even, even a Mike Glennon or something. Or, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, for example. Dalton. Uh, Nothing that uh, who was it was Josh Morgan or, or, or was yeah, one of, James like, Morgan and Mike James Lane. Morgan and anyway just you know they do not have great quarterback depth so we're saying we're saying there's nowhere to go but up for them but like if he struggles then I it, it could be a level off it could be the same like they could be three and fourteen right like I don't think that's absolutely nuts but yeah. now. If he if he pops and he really connects with Salah and you know the quarterback coach infusion which we've seen happen before you know gives them uh, you know a, a jolt of life into the team then yeah maybe they could be a real team but like we got to see it from them and maybe I'm just not as I'm not anti Zach Wilson or anything but it's very hard it's very hard to be really good and it's not like he's going to a great team so I don't know where you guys are at with what, where you're actually expecting them to fall, like where, like in, like in the win range, where you would kind of, what you would call their record. Yeah, yeah, like in terms of like predicting their record, I don't know. Like, like you're saying, it's not a team I have a super good feel for this season. I don't think they're going to be good. I just think they're going to be better than two wins. I think they're going to squeak out a couple more wins at least. Uh, but you're totally right. It all is going to depend on Zach Wilson and how quickly he can adapt to the competition in the league. I mean, they're depending on 
a lot of young players at key positions on offense. That's for sure. In terms of their offensive lineman, receiver, yeah. receiver, um, the, you know, their weaknesses are, are also like running back tight end is not an impressive area and, and a, a good running back or a good running game is, can often be a young quarterback's best friend. Right. But I mean, I, I love Michael Carter, their fourth round pick. Um, they've also got, um, who they got there at running back, uh, Tevin Coleman, sorry, Tevin Coleman, formerly from the Niners, but both of those running backs are change of pace, second guys. Like they don't have like, uh, Mm -hmm. necessarily a durable workhorse. So that's an inch, like kind of a redundant pairing there, if you ask me. Um, so they don't necessarily have a dependable running back, uh, whom they can rely on right away. Yeah. I see that as a potential concern. They were good. They were twelfth against the rush last year, and again without CJ Mosley. So with Robert Sala coming in here, you know, like they're going to want to stuff the run. So I think they'll be good there. But they were twenty eighth against the pass, and I'm not so sure how they they added Lamarcus Joyner, but I don't know how much they really improved their their pass defense. So um, they're going to be they're going to have plenty of holes, and they are not going to be very good this year. No. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, and. It, just a LaMarcus Joyner point. I was reading up on him a little bit. Uh, some of the issues that a lot of the like analysts that know way more about football than me, uh, LaMarcus Joyner was playing the nickel in, for the Raiders like quite often. Um, his natural position is a safety, and Robert Sala is basically saying he's going back to safety. He's going to be one of those versatile defenders, kind of use him as like a gadget a gadget defender, but um, he's going to be mainly in the middle of the field playing safety over top. So hopefully that like shores up a little bit of the issues of their uh, secondary, but you're right. They haven't really addressed what their secondary is going to like, how their secondary is going to get better other than the natural progression of like a guy like Bryce Hall. Uh, They have this guy, bless Austin, who like went from like basically undrafted to starting games. And now he's like their number two corner on their team. So um, if they keep on seeing some progression from him, maybe there's a little bit, a little bit more of a higher ceiling for that secondary. But um, in terms of like their season, I had two scenarios for them. Like they're three and 14, basically no improvement from last year. Uh, Wilson's underwhelming and they just don't have enough weapons to actually compete at all in this division or in the NFL in general. Um, But is their ceiling maybe six and 11? Um, they're the tough out every week. We just talked about their defense being 12th against the run. Um, they, they actually have a pretty nice front seven, um, front eight, maybe. Um, I like their, uh, I like their D tackle pairing of Sheldon Rankins and Quinn and Williams. Quinn and Williams is awesome. I was just about to say that Quinn and Williams is really good. Um, and like bring in Gerard Davis and with CJ Mosley uh, coming back to like Carl Lawson on the edge. Yeah, yeah, and Carl Lawson on the edge too. Like they could have. They have stuff on defense. They have. Yeah, stuff they could have. Against yeah, they the could run, easily. though. Against yeah. the run, and I'm not feeling good about their, their back end. Yeah, but maybe, maybe you add Carl Lawson. Maybe you're getting to the quarterback a little bit more reliably now, and you're you're always going to be tough against the run with those seven guys up front. And maybe there's an improvement on the pass defense as well with with a little bit extra pressure up front. So ceiling, I said maybe six to, six and eleven. I can drive with that those two scenarios, like best case, worst case scenario, but I, I, I would agree. I think that's solid. Um, I also think we should move on to the next team in the AFC East. Uh, let's take a look at the Miami Dolphins. Um, they've had a busy offseason. Uh, they acquired Will Fuller, wide receiver from the Houston Texans, uh, initially from Notre Dame. 
Uh, Will Fuller is an interesting piece to add. I actually really like their receivers now. Uh, some health concerns between Will Fuller and Devontae Parker, but if they're all healthy, yeah. adding in Jalen Waddell, um, the, the wide receiver out of Alabama that they drafted in the first round, over Panay Sewell, interestingly enough, where they do have a pretty glaring need on the offensive line still. Um, sorry, I, I guess I've just transitioned into addressing their draft. Uh, they all so they came away. They came away with Jalen Waddle in the first, and then with their second first round pick, they took Jalen Phillips, who's arguably the best pass rusher in the draft. Um, at least he, he's got an interesting backstory, which we've talked about on the pod before, so we don't need to get into that. They took a Canadian boy for the first safety taken in the draft as well. So they did a nice job spreading out their picks, right? Their first four picks went wide receiver, defensive end, safety, and then they got a really high-quality offensive tackle as well, Liam Eikenberg out of Notre Dame in round two. So they did a great job addressing key positions of need in the draft. Um, Sorry, and Javon Holland is Canadian. I don't know if I said that, who was the first safety drafted. So that's cool for us Canadians to see. Uh, So I love what Chris Greer did in the draft. Um, Again, added – Will Fuller, amongst some other guys. Interesting, they, they lost Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, who is now the starter uh, with Washington. So that's his 33rd NFL franchise he's, <laughs> he's starting for. Uh, but so interesting, Chris Greer cutting bait with Kyle Van Noy, who they signed as a free agent to a four-year $51 million deal, deal last offseason, who, who was great in New England's defense under Bill Belichick. But when they could, they obviously were not impressed with what they saw his first year in Miami, and they couldn't find a trade partner, so they were yeah. forced forced to release him, and he's actually since rejoined the Patriots. Yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah, they they had a weird like. I, I know that you said that you like their off season. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I said super I, 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 I like their draft. I mean, I, is, yeah, is, their draft. Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Will Fuller just either injured or suspended when you are really counting on him. Um, they're not really like it'll be like I don't they 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 don't need him to have a good passing offense if Tua can take a step though like Waddle's that good like Waddle's very good but if Fuller's good what and stays on the field like he can add so much that's why he's so effing tantalizing every single season right like he's that guy every year is he gonna pop or is he gonna play four games I I don't I'll I'll be honest like I don't I didn't like. I don't love their offense. When I was just looking at their roster, um, it just doesn't hop off the page for me. Um, the other thing, when I was prepping for this, uh, so they had Chan Gailey calling their plays and, and uh, their offensive coordinator last year. He retired in January, like pretty unexpectedly. Uh, Brian Flores said he expected all of his coaches to be back this year, um, but Chan Gailey uh, retired. And do you guys know who they replaced him with? No, I don't actually. Not up the top of my head, no. It's super weird. They replaced him with two guys, Eric Stutzfeld and George Godsey. Both guys just oh. off of like like internal hires, but they have a dual offensive coordinator setup for this year. They're not sure who's going to be calling the plays yet. Well, like, how did just... that go wrong? <laughs> yeah, they, there's just like, that? yeah, there's some like red flags there for me with the dolphins on their offensive side of the ball. I love their defense. Uh, I think Brian Flores is like a very good coach, very good defensive coach. Um, but I don't know if they have a handle on what's going to be going on with their offense. That's, that's nuts. 
That's concerning to say the least. It's super concerning. It's a, it's a red flag. And like, maybe it's not, maybe, maybe Brian Flores knows there's like a culture thing. Brian Flores knows exactly what he's doing. And these two guys are going to like, one's going to call plays in the first and the third. And the other's going to call plays in the second and the fourth, or oh they switch at halftime. Who knows? Maybe but, the only way he was able to recruit them is to promise each of them uh, <laughs> the OC duties. And then when they showed up, they realized they're both the OC. <laughs> That's that's but like yeah they they like there's like a press like a news release being like these are co-offensive coordinators I, which I don't remember the last time that's happened like that's just super concerning to me but I don't know it's Miami there maybe there's some sort of culture thing that goes along with that type of decision Brian Flores thinks it's going to be completely fine this is like the office where Jim and Michael are the co-managers and <laughs> yeah. saying it's like tell me a country that doesn't that succeeds without two presidents or how yeah. Catholicism would be without the popes <laughs> yeah uh, pick one uh brian flores you're gonna have to pick one i don't know yeah oh man yeah that, that like is- off the top of my head like that's that's like number one that's like the first strike on brian flores to me because i think he's done everything right in his like into yeah. his like and his first year in miami was really good way outside of uh, above projection so they were 12th in dvoa overall last year 11th on defense yeah 18th 18th on offense six on special teams their special teams was really good last year they had some super tough losses to the seahawks and the chiefs but really they just like beat or lost the teams that they were supposed to beat well and they had and they had a winning record without like committing to a quarterback which is a terrible position to be in in the nfl i mean for both quarterbacks involved ryan fitzpatrick i gain respect for that guy every season just because how he can handle these controversies over and over without creating any sort of rift in the organization especially in the quarterback room he manages to still be a valued mentor to whoever the quarterback is really speaks to that guy's character man he's like that's really cool shit um, but but at the same time, it's like I, I it drives me nuts when like make a goddamn decision. Who is your yeah, quarterback for their sake, yeah. for the other players' sake? Um, but that won't be an issue this year, obviously. And I think Tua is one of the biggest question marks, not just in this division or not just on the Miami Dolphins, but in the entire league because yeah. Tua Tagovailoa is a um, a cherished a cherished piece of history at the University of Alabama for how he performed, how he stepped in there. Um, and it was a huge prospect coming out, right? Like, and then obviously he had the, the bad hip injury, which turned out to be not quite as bad as everyone thought, I guess. But you kind of give him that first year to figure it out. But that being said, seeing him on the field was not very encouraging for Tua backers. And I just mentioned the, or Tua supporters, I just mentioned, you know, he was in a tough situation there with the lack of clearly defined role. But Scott, I know you've been a Tua guy for a while. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like, do you agree that he this is a huge, almost make or break year for him? And do you think he will make or break? Well, here's a, so I totally agree, and I would have thought absolute no brainer. Put him put him in the NFL after that. Uh, you know that championship game against Georgia. Like he's ready. Like that's what it looked like to me, and he just looked overwhelmed every time I saw him on the field last year. And that was something I was not expecting at all. Like he's, he's, he's so smart. He's such a hard worker. You know what I mean? But I, I feel like it just got to him. I don't know about you guys. Maybe this is anecdotal because, you know, how many, I probably watched five Dolphins games last year, uh, you know, from start to finish. But 
I thought he was not driving throws very like he was throwing almost scared like he was trying to feed the ball into spots as opposed to just get the ball there which you know even though he played in the SEC he played at the highest level it's there's even less time to get the ball there it's even smaller windows in the NFL right it's yeah. almost like he didn't trust himself to really force the ball not force but like get the ball into these spots and i i saw him throw some of the softest picks you've ever yeah. seen like i totally agree i like, totally, totally agree with, agree. with your like, take there like you're playing three like 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 lob ball or something you know what i mean like you're playing three pitch and that is not something i was uh expecting at all and maybe that was a confidence thing maybe this year he's going to feel more ready to like you know plant his right foot in the ground and like drive some in but the combination of not taking off and running very much, even though he's capable, not looking super comfortable, and then just the like it's like the uh, the lack of decisiveness with his arm. I was super surprised. I hate to say that it's a make or break year because it's his second year, and really, like we should give him a chance. But like people don't get chances, right? Like if he sucks this year, then they're gonna draft a quarterback next year because guess what? They're gonna go five and twelve, and they're gonna be in the top ten. Right, yeah. like there's no patience for these guys. No, it's not how it works in the NFL. You're right. No. Like that's I'm not criticism. I'm just saying how it goes. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, I, so, I, I would like piggyback off of that. Like the thing about Tua that you definitely see every time you watch him play was he was like hesitant, and it, he he would take like the safe throws, even though yeah. you think he kind of has the arm talent to get those like those big plays off. I thought um, so too, but super really- risk averse and like yeah, and when I'm thinking of when I was like going through it all, I was like, you know what, it might be really good for him to have Jalen Waddle there, just so that he remembers what it's like to have like a super open receiver, because like yeah. there's a difference between like NFL open and Alabama open, because like Alabama open was like wide open, they yeah, had like literally. unbelievable wide receivers every year he was there. Um, that made the job a little bit easier for him to just be like, okay, I can just, I can like sling this thing to like 50, 40 yards down the field. But And to be fair, like we don't know how much of an effect having a real live NFL starter breathing down his neck or whatever, you know, how to like how it affected him. Right. Cause you, we didn't know who was going to start some of the game, like a couple times I remember. And I, I don't know, like that's not easy. As much as you're always supposed to roll with it, be a good teammate, blah, blah, blah. It's like if you're the quarterback, then you're playing every down. And if you're not playing, then you're not playing at all. Yeah. Right. You know what you know what should help? You know what should help the young quarterback though is just having two offensive coordinators. So you have twice as many people <laughs> in your room. One in each year. Well, and to make yeah, things now better, that- I I've heard that Eric uh, Studisville is a, is a run first guy and George Godsey's a pass first guy. So Oh good. We'll see I think they're both on the headset. One head. Now that we're going through this, I was like, I was like, I was excited to bring up that red flag, but like, I guess Flores has a history of this. He couldn't pick a quarterback last year, and now he can't pick no. an off- offensive coordinator. Like, that's it's it's a huge red flag. And I, yeah, when I was looking at their roster, then I was considering their like who's in charge of their offense, and who knows because they're really there's the two offensive coordinators, and there's also Brian Flores who's evaluating both of them like they're even if they do have two offensive coordinators for this whole year they won't have two next year so one of those guys is coaching for their job 
right yeah. now. So, or they both are really. But so it's, maybe maybe it's two maybe to his indecisiveness is just a reflection of his head coach's character. Well, well, yeah. Well, it's it's risk averse. I like I, I'm, this kind of feels like the most yolo yolo like decision making Brian Flores can make is just like fuck it. Well, I'll just have two offensive coordinators. We'll figure it out at some point. Yeah, yeah I, with Flores, I feel like there's something there. Anyway, yeah, yeah. let's um, nine nine and a half is the over under win total for the Dolphins. What would you guys say? After this conversation, I want to say under, <laughs> knowing that, knowing they're playing the N- NFC South. Although I guess the NFC South isn't necessarily the powerhouse division in football that it was in years previous. But th- here's the other thing, right? The AFC, A- sorry, the uh, yeah, the AFC East has a very light strength of schedule. Uh, which is worth considering when you discuss like projecting how they might finish. So it's nine yeah. and a half. Uh, they have the fifth easiest schedule in the NFL, according to Mike Clay. Oh, wow. um, well, they have a t- they have a tough schedule out of the gate, though. Big challenges out of the gate, which could really set the tone for the season. They got New Orleans. They open with New Orleans, then they go Buffalo. Then they got Buffalo, Tampa Bay, and Baltimore. So that's actually a f- a brutal stretch to open the year. And if they I struggle agree. out of the gate, they could be. Yeah. I, I honestly think like we're gonna get to the end probably the last division preview we do is gonna be the NFC South, right? But um I think the Saints are gonna be one of the toughest outs at the start of the year. Like I would not want to be a team playing the Saints in the first like three weeks just because you're like you're gonna have no idea what's going on. Like yeah. Sean Payton in this like weird lab just basically being like, I don't know if it's gonna be Jameis. I don't know if it's going to be Tavon. Like, it's just going to be. I love so... how I love how we're criticizing Brian Flores for his lack of uh, lack of yeah. cool stance on who his quarterback is, and we're we're pretty much applauding Sean Payton for the same thing. But like, I believe it'll work with Sean Payton, yeah, just because like it's Sean Payton, and and I think he'll use it as his advantage. Whereas like quarterback play clearly was not Miami's strength last year. I think if you're the, sorry, to, I just can't help but chime in on that. I I think Sean Payton's. I think you got to start Jameis and just shuffle Taysom Hill in there, and then if Jameis, yeah, goes, you think that if Jameis goes yeah. nuclear, if Jameis goes nuclear, then sure, give Taysom Hill a chance. But I mean, he needs he, he needs someone who can throw the fucking football, and Jameis can throw the football, dude. I, Where I it think ends you, up, yeah. Uh, I think you nailed it the last time when you were like. Whoever starts the year as their starting quarterback will not end the year as their starting quarterback. At some point, they're going to flop. And I think, like, the first two or three games, it could be switching back and forth, like, series to series. Like, you'll have no idea what's coming. I'm glad that Payton will have the people. Yeah, go ahead. Feels great to have some stability of that position as a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Gotta say, say, nothing better than talking about other teams. um, I love how we're we're finishing up the Dolphins preview with Colin. Being very happy about having Tom Brady as the Bucks quarterback. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could segue into that. Everything we talk about. I, uh, I, I I can just like quickly get through my like worst case, best case for them. I, I and I think their most likely is probably their worst case. So maybe I'll just do that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, six and eleven. Will Fuller and Devontae Parker are injured very early in the season. And it's just another question mark here for Tua. Like they, they kind of tread water. You're not sure if he's the guy again, and you go into another offseason having to make a big decision, which if, Brian Flores isn't really equipped to do. Now that I'm thinking about it, if those receivers are, if those two guys, Fuller and Parker, are healthy, and Waddle has a good rookie year, and Tua is 
a league average starting quarterback, I think they're going to make the playoffs. So I know it's a lot of ifs and whatever, but like if that all happens, I can see them getting to 10 and seven or 11 and six and getting that, uh, that last wild card spot. Once again, I, a lot needs to go right, but I, that wouldn't shock me. Like they were good that last year. They were a real team. Like they, yeah, they, they were really good. They, they were like team to win or to get yeah. the playoffs, I think. And, Buffalo played everyone and beat them, but anyway, yeah. yeah. And 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 you know they have like arguably the one of the top uh, cornerback tandems in the league in yeah. and Howard and Byron Jones. So you got to mention that like another year playing together for those guys will help. Um, don't yeah. like the running back position though, Miles guy. I feel like I'm a I've just become our de facto running back guy, but that's fine with me. <laughs> yeah. um, Miles Gaskins are starting running back. Would have been nice to see them add a little more juice to that position through the draft or somewhere. Um, we'll see what happens there. Again, for I, a young I, quarterback, it's helpful. I've got like one wild card here. So, like, my best case scenario was like maybe they go 13 and four, two lives up to the hype. But yeah. Their passing attack is like the best version of it possible. Their defense is even better than they were last year. Um, and they go like, like, this is the first team that, like, if you told me they were in the Super Bowl, uh, I'd be like, I kind of like i can kind of see it and i think we'll probably get to an episode where we kind of see it. we each go through a list of like who we think could actually make the super bowl and maybe play the bucks um but yeah the the idea that tua takes this team to the super bowl is like not out of the realm of possibility to me like everything breaking right for them and they can get there shit jimmy um, g did it exactly exactly but if i could throw one wild card before we move on to the next team at the start of the offseason, there was a lot of hype where we thought that Miami was the favorite to get Deshaun Watson. Is there any chance that picks up again? They end up with Deshaun Watson. Does that like how does that change what you guys expect from the Miami Dolphins? The thing you, about sorry, Scott, you can go. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say if now in most circumstances I would say you you know, bend over backwards to get Deshaun Watson, but yeah. if they have to then, then they're in trouble with Tua, obviously, right? Like, unless they're just – they get an unreal trade offer right now for Deshaun or whatever, and we don't actually see Tua in this second in this second season. But um, I think it would have to be preseason, like Deshaun, yeah. like Deshaun for Tua and a few picks. Yeah. Yeah, I think, too, like if they were really – they're riding with Tua for now, I think, because should. they they could have just instead drafted Justin Fields or Mac Jones at six, or or not traded back with the Niners in the first place. Even though they would have been crazy to not accept that embarrassment of riches, riches the Niners gave up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Well, I'm interested to see what what happens with the Dolphins. It could certainly go either way. Um. So now. The much talked about New England Patriots. I, I'm curious to hear your guys' opinion. Obviously, they were the story of the offseason early on just because of the unprecedented amount of money Bill Belichick shelled out in free agency. Um, so, like Hunter Henry, three years, 37 million. John U. Smith, four years, 50 million. That's two tight ends right there. Nelson Aguilar, two years, 22. Kendrick Bourne, former receiver from the Niners, three Nine. years, 15. Matthew Judon, four years, 55 mil, just to summarize some of those. So I just want to say this, guys, and I'm curious how you, you feel about it. And I feel like I'm the only one who's saying this. 
I think this is such an overhyped offseason. I think it's super unimpressive giving out star money to not star players. And I don't think it's automatically going to translate into like this incredible offense. Like their best who are their best who are their receivers? Like I just have serious I don't know. Throwing in the ball. Yeah, that yeah. Like I don't see it at all, man. Me like either. I, I get that they get the benefit of the doubt in general. Belichick gets the benefit of the doubt. Like, I actually understand that, and maybe that's worth um, a win or two higher than what you know I would have them peg just based on the roster. But like, I don't. I think they're very average again, and whatever they decide to do, like if Newton struggles so bad that that you know the guy that they spent the first round pick on has to come in, like. I don't know. I don't know what the best case scenario is. Is is an Owen two start and Cam sucking and then going to Jones? Is that the best case scenario? Is that the yeah. highest feeling? Or is does Cam have something to take? Because I didn't like anything I saw from him last year. All no. football wise, not like Well, the first two, three weeks were okay. Right. Yeah. Then he got COVID, like, right? As, as soon as he got COVID, it was over for him. Which okay. Like that's you know, it affects. I know that's that's the argument. If you're a Pats fan, the argument is that. But yeah, like going into this offseason, I would have never expect to find out that Bill Belichick blew the bank in free agency and drafted a quarterback in the first round. That has literally never happened before. Like well, it sounds like Bill Belichick signed up to like have his draft house and offseason house at like Burning Man or something. Like <laughs> he is not the same guy anymore. Like, but it's insane. The bang on Aguilar, I like Johnny Smith, don't get me wrong, in Hunter Henry yeah. even. But like, for sure. Do they change anything for you? Like, no, and what, who is the 12 personality? It's, it's not Aaron Hernandez and, and fucking Rob Gronkowski. So, oh, yeah. you think it's going to strike fear that you have two, like, tier three, tier two tight ends that you're overpaying? Yeah. Like, yeah, they're solid players for sure. Just really peculiar that, that you're, you're blowing your load on two tight ends. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> – you know, they're and Nelson Aguilar blowing yeah. your load on two tight ends. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Must be, must Thank God a, Zuckerberg's not watching this one. This must is be a Friday show. Um, <laughs> so their over under is nine and a half, which you can basically assume is probably juiced an extra win because it's the Patriots, one of the more public teams. So I, you know, let's call it what it, eight and a half is probably the real win total. So right on five hundred, I think that's fair. Maybe, like, they couldn't score. Every game they were in last year was a grind, and they won a, They were 7-9, and nine, but they won a couple by the skin of their teeth. I know because I bet against them so much, and, and they somehow won a couple games. Like, they had no business winning. Yeah. Um, but I feel like they were closer to the lower end of that 7-9 and nine than, like, I, it's not like they got robbed and should have been 10-6 and six and, you know, whatever. Belichick, best coach in football history. Totally. They don't have anyone. And sorry, and I know it's kind of a lame answer, kind of a crutch or whatever. It totally depends on the quarterback play. I'm not willing to say that that Newton's going to be very good. Let's see what we get from Jones if possible. But I, I just don't see it, I guess. Yeah, if I'm a Pats fan, I want Mac Jones. I don't want to – and I couldn't agree with you more, Cap, about them. Be, and, I, and I know it's more fun when we disagree, but I, I'm not going to pretend to disagree when I don't. 
I, I totally agree with your assessment of Cam Newton and that team. I think they got lucky as shit to win some of those games. I don't know how they stuck in them. Obviously, their their defense was solid. Like, I think they were eighth against the pass last year, and that's without uh, one of the best corners in, in football. Stephon Gilmore was was an opt out last season, or was it injury? I can't recall. I think he was an opt out. Injury. Oh, right. I think it was right. injury. Yeah. Tore his knee, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, like, and I and I like what you're saying too, Cap, about the win total. You know, it's got to be juiced up at least one. Knowing the public's always in love with with New England, unless that's completely dissipated with with uh, Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not sure if so. anyone knew that. Back to Tom Brady. Where does um, he live? <laughs> he's living in Derek Jeter's house, baby. Oh, there you go. Not in New York. Um. But, yeah, so, anyway, I do love the Pats draft, though. I'll give that to Bill. So, I just kind of ripped yeah. on their offseason in terms of free agency. And it's not that they're bad players they brought in. I think those are solid pieces, just overpaying. They're giving out too much money to a mediocre cast, uh, which is not going to, what do they say, turn the table. It's not going to seal the deal. But, okay, so let's – do you guys have Cleveland and Baltimore as playoff teams? Yes, and definitely, definitely Cleveland. Okay, let's. You would have Baltimore ahead of New England, though, in the in a power ranking to start the season, right? Hundred percent. Okay, so two from the AFC North done. The I, the Bills, let's say, as the division winner. Yep. I assume. Would you have the Chiefs and the Chargers? I I like the Chargers better than the Pats personally. Okay. I, I don't know what their strength of schedule is yet because I haven't got there and I got to look at their schedule, but. So if you, paper. Chiefs, if you put the Chiefs and the Chargers in, then whoever wins the AFC South, Tennessee, let's say, so that's six. So then New England would have to probably be better than Miami, Denver, and Pittsburgh to get a playoff spot, right? That's that's likely what it comes down to. I don't. Maybe they are. Maybe it's, they're yeah, like when you break it down like that, it doesn't sound super crazy. No, because their their defense was okay last year, yeah, um, but they're going to be a lot better. Like Dante Hightower coming back, I think people forgot how good of a football player that guy is. So for sure. he opted out for COVID-19. Um, I think Matthew Judon has something left in the tank too. And oh, yeah, he's good. Yeah, you're, you're good. right about their their uh, their draft as well too called uh, yeah. Christian Great Barmore. Draft. We love Christian Barmore. Ronnie Perkins coming off the edge too. Um, they they had a really good draft, they dude. Ramondre Stevenson in the fourth, running back out of Oklahoma, he is legit, and that's a steal. Exactly, and and they already have Damian Harris. I have Damian Harris uh, listed as like one of the key players for them next year because I'm I don't I just don't have any trust in the the passing game with what we've went through with the with the tight ends that they paid and and Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar, I'm just. I'm just out on right now. Um, but well, he Aguilar was was pretty good last year. Uh, I know, but I, I that's yeah. Fair. I'm not sucks that he has to play this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I could see him having like he had a contract year in my in my estimation is like fair. he's he's gonna regress back to the guy that he was before that. But um, I I could see them like. I think actually their worst case scenario is that they go like ten and seven. Cam Newton's revived and he's too good for Mac Jones to ever get on the field. And the Pats go into another offseason just being like, okay, well that was okay, but 
what do we do with Cam Newton now? And what do you do? Sorry, did you say their worst case? Yeah, yeah. I think the worst case, not like their worst games, like obviously they could lose more games than that. But I think it would be even worse for them going into going forward in whatever rebuild they're in right now is if they go 10 and 7 and Cam Newton is like a revived version of himself. Yeah. He's too good for Mac Jones to come. Or or he's like the 14th best starter. And yeah. they eke into the playoffs. I see what you're saying. I see it's like so. It's yeah. I almost I almost feel like that's the most likely thing that's going to happen is that like Cam is like okay, he's pretty good, and Mac Jones never actually gets to play, and they think that they spent their money well on all these these tight ends and uh, wide receivers, and hopefully their pass at- passing attack is like marginally better than they were last year, and it's enough to win enough games to get them into the playoffs, and there's some momentum to be like, okay, we got to keep building on this. See, rookie or not, I think Mac Jones gives them the best chance even to be to game manage their way to victories. Like he's the way he plays. I get he's a rookie, but he's obviously yeah. a smart kid who can throw the ball, and he, like you know, that's his his strengths are being able to understand and read defenses. Um, but at like, a high level. So I, I personally think if I'm a Pats fan, I would prefer Mac Jones get the reign sooner than later because I think the way Bill's building this this roster is he wants to have an elite defense and enough got skill skill guys to just get the ball done who can catch the damn ball. Like Yeah. And and pound the ball. Like like Harris, I agree. He's a good running back, man. I like him. We I'm really surprised good. we forgot to bring his name up just because running backs get lost in New England because they use so many. Um but he's he was really solid last year, especially towards the end of the season. Like, but my question is: is like, do we think Mac Jones has the ability to be better than Tua was or is? Um, I think like you you have to say he has the potential because to, we we have a rookie season or a full season of Tua to evaluate, and it wasn't yeah. that pretty as we talked about. Yeah, that's true. But um, of course, then. Ironically, obviously, Tua was better than him at Alabama. It's not like Mac Jones was ever beating him up. And also, I'd like to say for this podcast's sake that we're going to refer to him exclusively by his his birth name, Michael McCorkle <laughs> Jones, because this Mac Jones, it's all. Sorry, say it again. Michael what? what Michael McCorkle Jones, of course. Can't believe he doesn't go by that like full thing or just Mike Jones, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how I'll be referring to him going forward. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't. There. It's such an odd place for a franchise to be with the thirty or thirty-one year old Cam's probably. Oh, it might be thirty-two now. Yeah. Um, former star still shows flashes. Can he do it? Can he not? Or do you just like cut bait? Right. And then it's not the Bengals that we're talking about. It's not, uh, some other, it's not the bears, some franchise that never does anything. Like it's the, it's the Patriots, right? Are they going to, are they going to just accept another season of mediocre quarterback play that leads to eight and nine and me cashing my under ticket? Like, I really hope then that that's what happens. Yeah. I'll be cashing. I'll be having an under ticket too. I think the more yeah. we've talked about it, but I'm, Bill, Bill I'm, does uh, have the longest leash in the league. Like he's yeah. not going anywhere. Whatever he wants. So he yeah. doesn't feel that pressure. I'm saying compared to these other franchises where the the heat's on the head coach. Like Bill ain't firing himself. I, th- I maybe I'm on an island then when we get to our rankings for the year. But I could like I just kind of trust the infrastructure in New England. 
I need to see. Yeah, I need. I need to see them. Like, if they're bad this year, then I'll believe that everything's over in New England. Fair. I thought. I thought last year was enough for me. Like, I watched them, and it's like they had no use. They had absolutely nothing to give anyone. And the fact that they went seven and nine was like a miracle. But they just had no players too. Yeah. So I also understand that give Cam a COVID-free season and, and like he's not. Yeah. I think Cam's arm's dead. Well, that if that's the case, and that's, that's yeah, that's that's the scariest part of this for Lamar Jackson Soda would Dots. beat him in an accuracy in a throwing competition. <laughs> yeah, you're not right. wrong. So on the Pats, if I got to side with one of you guys, I'm siding with this guy. Yeah, go for it. Mr. McCorkle or whatever. <laughs> Mac. So he goes by Mac. I, I just don't I don't I don't know. Michael okay. yeah, Mac. It's it's yeah. short for McCorkle. Yeah. Yeah, how do we not know that? Uh, it seems so second nature, of course. All right. Let's move along to the final team that we haven't discussed um in the division in the AFC East. That is the Buffalo Bills. Um coming off a really exciting thirteen and three season. Um, they smashed the, or they beat the Colts narrowly. Pardon me, twenty-seven, twenty-four in the wild card round. Um, dominated the Ravens seventeen-three in the divisional round. Cruised their way right into the AFC Championship game, where they lost by fourteen, thirty-eight, twenty-four to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, who eventually ended up losing to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just felt like I have to just say Tom Brady somewhere. So hey, every team, yeah, right. Um, that that was super like that game was like for the Bills it just didn't seem like something was off like they they I remember them giving up like a bunch of fourth quarter I mean a fourth down like settling for field goals where they all, they did something not no you're right it was the field goals it was settling for field goals yeah they just kept on set, and I just I don't I don't when I think of Josh Allen in the year that he had last year I don't think of settling ever. No, it was that was scared. It's like, and, and I'm sorry to bring this back to Bucks, but think about when Tampa was playing uh, Green Bay in the NFC title game, end of the half. What does Bucko Bruce no risk it no biscuit do? You have confidence in your guys. He he sends Scotty Miller yeah, risk risks it all to just to. Oh, it was amazing. But that's that the that contrast. Yeah, that you you know game. you yeah you know what you have with with. Tampa Bay there because they they're also like we're playing Aaron Rodgers we have to score to win whereas the Bills went the complete opposite direction they're just like okay well we're just going to manage this game like it's fourth down again let's kick a field goal we're we're in the red zone like it that's just not the way the playoff like there's a difference between playoff football I know they got two wins in the playoff last in the playoffs last year but yeah it's it's not like the Bills were playing the AFC version of Aaron Rodgers or anything like that they're just (laughs) Some exactly. guy. What's his, I want to say his name is Paul Mahomes. He's, yeah. new, he's new to the league. It was it was it was an abomination. I would have fired McDermott after the game. I'm not even kidding. Hopefully, it's hopefully that hopefully that game. hopefully that changes his philosophy and he learned from that. Because I'm really glad you brought that up, Bo. Because that was a serious blunder on his part, and everyone knew it when the game was going on. I mean, Twitter yeah. was lighting up. No, everyone was like, "What are you doing, man? You got to take your chances right now." Because we all know what Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and that offense are going to do at some point. It's going to happen. Call, uh, I'm pretty call. sure Scott hammered the end game early in that 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 one. They did. Um, they they did it more than once too. That's the scary part. So did Scott. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So call. Diehard Bucks fan, obviously. Um, are there any times 
when you're upset that the other team is going to kick a field goal. Let, almost there's a, no a half when it's a 54 yarder and it's you, you uh, in the okay all right they tack on three extra points. Yeah, like, I'd rather them try hail mary. Sure, those are like exceptions though. Of course, but in general, if your defense holds them to a field goal try every single possession, you're going to win the game. Yeah. If you have a competent offense, like so, it I don't know. And if you're playing Mahomes and you don't know that, sorry, we I promise everyone listening, we are going to actually break down the Buffalo Bills coming up here. But this, we obviously all wanted to talk about this AFC uh, championship game. You just can't do that. And like you said, I hope McDermott learns. He had a great season. The Bills had a great season. I don't think he's a bad coach or anything like that in general. But, but in the you would have fired him. In the biggest, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, got it. This tyrant Bills owner Scott Capron. Well, again. hey, I grew up about an hour from the Bills stadium. Um, grew up a diehard Bills fan. I still always want to see them succeed and do well, but I, I'm not as invested as I once was back in the day. Um, you just can't coach scared, and you especially can't coach scared against one of the best offenses in history, right? So um, hopefully they learn. Hopefully they have another great season. I uh, I mean, we're going to get into it here. I do like them to win the the division at minus 150. I think they're the best team. Um, Probably a natural statistical regression from Josh Allen this year just because he was so ridiculous last year. doesn't necessarily mean he'll play worse. It's just – hard to replicate numbers in football like that. Right. So, uh, but I still think they're the best team. I think they have the best roster. I love their balance. Having a number one guy like Diggs Beasley was amazing for them last year. They have a couple guys to give the ball to uh, a couple running backs, obviously with Singletary and Oh God, I'm blanking on the other guy. Zach, Zach Zach Moss. Moss, yeah. Zach, oh yeah. Zach Moss. Okay. Um, I like them. I'm not a huge, Hey, I'm admittedly as big a Josh Allen skeptic as you can find because I watch him and think he looks like a serial killer out there. Like, what are you doing? But it it works, and they've they've figured out a way to maximize him, or at least they did last year. And if they can rein him in that much more and make him that much more efficient as a result, then they're going to win this division. Yeah, Josh Allen is funny, eh? It's like you're never fully comfortable, like I imagine as a Bills fan. Now, he certainly, like, part of why he did so well is because he limited his mistakes. But, like, the previous year, 2019, I think it was, were they playing Houston in the playoffs? It was was like he ate mushrooms at halftime. (laughs) And then starts, like, it was unbelievable, him, like, laddering the ball to no one. I was on them, watching him, yeah. It was, like, first down or something, and he laddered the ball to no one. Oh, sorry, can I just, quick, quick hilarious story about that specific game all right my one buddy jay who is a absolute diehard bills fan and josh allen defender to the end but we'll still recognize when he plays like a psychopath so the bills haven't been in the playoffs in forever they played you don't know what the schedule is going to be right they're playing houston in that saturday afternoon game i think his wife gets some leafs tickets for him and their son. Oh. For that, it literally, the puck dropped and the game kicked off at the exact same time. And his wife's like apologizing and he's trying not to. Obviously, he's not mad because it was such a thoughtful thing, but he's like, of all the times. <laughs> he's like, he's not watching the game. He's looking at, he's like, he's telling his four year old son, there's 
four minutes into the second period, yeah, I think we should get out of here. Like, uh, <laughs> I feel bad for everyone in that scenario. I feel bad for your buddy Jay. I feel bad for his for his wife, and of his course wife, the kid, because yeah. because both the parents are probably a little edgy <laughs> with everything that just happened. And this is a valuable lesson. I love this story. Not, I don't love the story. It's sad, but it's it's a cautionary tale because this could happen to anyone. Ladies listening, uh, if you're, you're ever going to get your man, or if you're going to get your girl who's a big sports fan tickets always check with their best friend their go-to person who also follows that team and yeah. i've been lucky enough caitlin has always talked with jory who's another but like my good buddy who's a bucks fan yeah. hey banks um but like so so, so you need to be advised by someone before you make that purchase make sure there's no conflicts um because there's nothing worse she does all, such a nice thing for of him course. it was a christmas present right like, yeah that's rough he's he's the greatest dude like it was his son's first Leafs game. They actually stayed for the whole time. I was joking about the other, but like, just the, I, I can just imagine the emotion he had. At like, you know, the, the Bills' first playoff game and how long, right? And like, just yeah. so funny because he's the way he tells it. Like, he's trying. He's obviously trying not to complain. Oh my god, I was dying. Poor guy. <laughs> um, now let's just summarize some of the offs. A, a couple nice moves the Bills made. Simple but good moves. Uh, uh, signing Emmanuel Sanders, like yeah. slotting him in with Beasley and Diggs, all of a sudden, that's a really nice receiving core. And now, now, I'm not acting like Emmanuel Sanders is some difference maker, but he's a really solid veteran receiver. Uh, he's somehow managed, he somehow managed to play on like nine teams and never have his like credibility as a player called into question. He's always viewed as like a yeah. good signing, which is funny. Um, but I do think he will be one for them. And I actually really like and, – and, you are hearing this correctly. I really like them signing Trubisky as a backup. I think he fits the scheme there. Um, he can run a good RPO. And just as a backup, like as bad as he was as a starter and unreliable, a quality backup quarterback is really important, especially when you have a good team. And um, I think you could do a lot worse. Like, shit, man, the Jets should have taken Trubisky or someone that, who, who yeah. could play. So um, that's how I feel about that. And the draft, I'm kind of like, eh. It was fine. Obviously, they had a they felt a glaring need at the edge rusher position. They took Gregory Russo uh, out of Miami, uh, just like Jalen Phillips. Um, wasn't as pressed as impressed at all with Gregory Russo's tape. I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player by any means, but for a first rounder, like I'm really happy we have Joe Tryon over Russo, for example. Um, and then they took Carlos Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest. Uh, so they 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 use their first two picks on edge rushers so uh that's clearly an area of need for them that they want to be a little more aggressive in rushing the passer and then as a general statement on their team i love their secondary um they might have the bet along with like denver um some other teams i love their safeties especially jordan poyer really oh. jumped out at me last season he's wicked yeah. um and then of course mika hyde is awesome as well and then you, you throw in a top five corner in Tredavious white i mean that's pretty filthy to have on the back end of your defense Totally. They're I totally one the, agree with that. Go ahead. They're one of the best teams in the league. Like, this is, you know, it's so yeah. funny because we're going to do these previews and you're so used to picking out holes because there are so many mediocre to bad teams, right? But, like, the Bills are good. They were very good last year and they beat good teams. And, no, they didn't play their best game in the AFC Championship game, but it also wasn't like they lost 38-6 to six or anything like that, right? Like, they're right there and – the other thing is, in football, yeah, your roster has to turn over every handful of years in order to stay relevant because guys get old, guys get hurt, 
and contracts are like written on toilet paper, right? So the rosters change uh, so quickly. But like, if you were good last year, you can be good one year later with a similar yeah. team, right? Like, all right, you know, maybe let's see what happens this year. Then you have to make some more changes. But the fact that they didn't have to shake up anything too, too much, I don't disagree with that. Like, yeah. I know you're always trying to get better. You're always trying to get better, but they're good. And if, if Allen can make another step, uh, take another step, I should say, like, who knows? Like, they should win the division and have a great shot at uh, getting back to the AFC title game, I would say. I'd like to take a moment to just kind of publicly uh, express how impressive impressive of a season Stefan Diggs had. Um, in the offseason, you know, the Cardinals stole DeAndre Hopkins uh, for such a minuscule trade haul. And then I think I think the Bills gave up – what did they give up? They gave up more, a lot more. I don't have it in front of me. If one of you guys could look up the exact trade package, that would be helpful um, that the Bills gave up to get Stefan Diggs. But regardless, I was like, shit, why didn't they just give that up for DeAndre Hopkins? Um, and I like Stefan Diggs, but I did not think he was as elite as he proved to be leading the league in yards and receptions last season. He was incredible, man. He proved to be like a complete receiver, like red zone threat. He'll go over the middle. He can beat you deep. He's tough as shit, not afraid to block, runs polished routes, like left guys in his dust all the time. Uh, me and Bo, I, like we were riding him pretty hard. He was one of our go-to for our player prop bets. Um you know, you got to throw him in the, in there with Travis Kelsey and Alvin Kamara and Devin White for the guys who are the most profitable for us. Yeah. Um, and uh, but yeah, man, shit, did I enjoy watching him? He won me two fantasy leagues that I had no business winning in the last game of the regular season. Uh, I am eternally grateful and indebted to Stefan Diggs, and I think he's the real deal, and he proved that this year. I. I have a soft spot for any of the big name recruits that stay home. Like not that he went to um, Delaware state or anything like that. Like, but he went to Maryland cause that's where he's from. He could have went anywhere in the country. He's one of the biggest receivers. And like he did it there. He was awesome. Got drafted. He's been awesome. He should have won them the Cardinals game. If it wasn't for that, uh, whatever the, the hail, hail Mary. Hail Mary. Right? Yeah. And then, that, and that was another Bills win that just literally got stolen from them. Right. Yeah. True. Um, Shit. They shouldn't have lost that game. No. They have no. been fourteen and two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had that. They were ninety six point seven percent win percentage or win probability uh, going into that drive. Yeah. Like they should not have lost that game. Yeah, because no. Diggs in the corner of the end zone, right? He, he ran that sharp out like a slant and out or whatever, right? Is that what? And then it was, there was very limited time on. Yeah, but 25 seconds, it was a great throw, great route, and it looked like it ended the game, and it should have. But, you know, anyway. To to the Bills' credit, though, they took that loss, went on their bye week, and rung off six wins right after that. Like, they were were really good. Um, And, like, just to go back to, like, the whole Josh Allen thing, I was listening to uh, Mina Kimes' podcast. Josh Allen was, like, went absolutely nuts last year, right? Like, a lot of people for, like, the full season – like overview had him as like the third best quarterback like not not to take anything away from Tom Brady but everyone had him behind Rodgers and Mahomes oh, as like the third best quarterback in a power rankings not the not the Super Bowl rankings the ones that actually count but going into um, this upcoming season or just based off last year's performance off of la- like like going into the playoffs last year oh god yes season. of course yeah, like so would like, I absolutely yeah like 
like Brady had a little bit of a slower start to the season, and, and Josh Allen was just nuts from the very start. And I say all that to say um, Josh Allen was never that guy. Like, he was never that guy at Wyoming. Um, like, there's a question if he's ever had a, get, a year like that throwing the football ever. Like, he, like, even in high school, like, I can't imagine that he had, like, put up those type of numbers. That's how, like, unbelievable he was last well, year. So, like, I think it's right to be like, okay, there might be a little bit of a regression here, but even if they get, like, 80, 90% of Josh Allen, that's still a really good football team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both. I was watching tape from when he was 12 when he was on the orange team, and he was only mediocre then. So, he's, just, he's running the ball. He's much more of a running quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. he seemed to be more into, like, his dunkaroos and stuff. That might have been an age thing. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if you're right, though. If they get 80 to 90% of what they did last year and, you know, you, you shore up some other things, they, they're going to be in the mix to to make another run for sure. Quick, we're, without looking, or if you guys haven't looked, where what – number you don't have to say the odds but where on the list of betting favorites do you think josh allen is for the mvp i just looked it up seemed and it was interesting i'd bet like in the top 10 i was gonna say like even higher than that i was gonna say top somewhere in the top five i was gonna guess like five yeah third it's mahomes it's mahomes rogers josh allen tom brady uh he plays for the bucks and then Lamar and Russell and Stafford are actually tied for fifth. I'm, I'm going to bet Stafford, man. I've been just thinking more. Oh, I think yeah. about it. Like Stafford is going to rip it this year. That poor guy just stuck in purgatory. But we don't. You know the, best, the best part about that is we never wanted to bet the Lions anyway. Yeah. With him. Yeah. But now we don't want to without with the golf being there. We never wanted to bet the Rams with golf. But now we get another team to bet on with yeah. Stafford. You're right. Yeah. It's a new bettable team because you couldn't bet on the only thing I'd bet on the Rams would be like if I would double dip and bet Robert Woods and uh, or the Cup. Super Bowl when we were all in Vegas. We we bet on the Rams. That doesn't count. We don't talk about that because <laughs> that was just that was just I don't know I don't know what the betting term is for it, Scott. But that was just action to have action that wasn't on the Pats. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. I can't believe you just aired that out, both. Oh and, my God. I, I'm just the listeners want to know. They need to know. Hey man, yeah. Gronk receptions was set at like two and a half that game. It wasn't yeah. juicy, but his reception over two and a half receptions was tasty. I don't, I don't remember one play from that game. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was, was a no, lot of, there were no a lot of food and drinks. Watching yeah. how many, watching like how many, that. watching how many beet salads our friend could eat before oh, halftime was the most entertaining aspect. What a psycho. Um, and I'm not even saying that from like a like a super drunk perspective. Like, yeah, obviously we were, but I just mean like from watching that game. Like, I remember once Goff had someone down the sideline in near the end of the fourth quarter and missed him. That's it. That's all I got yeah. from that whole Super Bowl. We I were feel in like Edelman made a big catch at some take. point. Yeah. What anyway. which uh, resort were we even in watching that game? I don't know. It all seems MGM connected. Grand. MGM. Yeah. Liberty um, Social will help you have us back again. Hopefully, best uh, people on the strip. That's why we flew <laughs> down. Yes. Um, all right, cool. Well, um, I don't know. Is there anything else you guys want to hit on specifically about the Bucks? I feel like we covered it – or sorry, the Bills. I feel like we covered it pretty well there. Um, the, the one thing I would say is, like, I think their running game, like, just to alleviate some of the pressure off of Josh Allen and him having to be that unbelievable quarterback this year. Um 
maybe getting more than seven explosive plays out of your two running backs would be nice. Yeah, and I think, like, throwing the ball to the running back is something Buffalo doesn't utilize enough, and I think it's an important element of an offense to develop if you don't have it. And I think between Zach Moss, like, Singletary can catch the ball. It just seems like they never give him really a chance. So Part of that's on Josh Allen. He'll just True. extend the play and look for digs because he's, he's not I think looking that's... for – yeah, he's never dumping it down. You're right. It probably is all on Josh Allen. We didn't give Singletary enough love. Singletary's good. Uh, I hope he is, yeah. The yeah. Bills don't seem to think so, though. They draft yeah. Zach Moss right after, and, they, know, and they're, they're handing I, the reins to him, it seems. Like, he's going to yeah. be getting more of that chunk of the carry. So, I, I also thought Singletary had a phenomenal rookie season. I, I, thought yeah. he, I thought he was going to be their guy. Everything that I'm reading is that they're they're looking to run the ball more this year, and that Zach Moss is the guy that's going to be getting the bulk of the carries. So yeah. I think there's still like a, a two running back approach, but Zach Moss is basically the guy that they're saying, okay, this thing is either going to happen with him or not at all. Similar similar backfield situation to the Bucks. Obviously, not the same star power necessarily in terms of the name value as Fournette and Road Ronald Jones, but it's two guys who aren't necessarily don't excel at catching the ball, but two strong runners who are going to be more or less competing or working in tandem uh, to generate the bulk of the rushing yards for their team this year on a very competitive team. Um, okay, I'd so... La- wait, 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 wait. Last thing on the Bills. They already had a fight in OTAs. Uh, John Feliciano got into it with A.J. Epinaza uh, off of a pick six. So offensive, a defensive lineman pick six. Feliciano runs into the end zone and, and throws a punch at him. So well, at least Epinaza I- Penza- finally made a play. Yeah, exactly. I actually think this is a good sign for their team. Like, dude, all that's... coaches want players to fight in practice, man. It just they, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't. Not even just in football. Like my my university basketball coach, like he, he told me recently, he's like, "You would have made the team even sooner if you just scrapped one of our starters." Like that's what I was looking for. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, anyway, so. How do we see? I mean, is it anyone want to shock anyone here? The way I have this division finishing one through four, um, I got, of course, the Bills first. Second, I got the Dolphins. Third, I got the Pats. And fourth, I got the Jets. That's chalk, though, it looks like. I just checked the odds, and that is chalk. But that's what I'm going with. I, I actually, I can shock you. I've got Pats top. I've got, actually, I, I got them winning the same amount of games. So they've got the Pats in their best case scenario with 12 and 5 and Bills with their worst case scenario with 12 and 5. Whoa. And then, and then uh, like the Pats beating them during the year uh, for the tiebreaker. And then I've got the Dolphins and i got the Jets. The hot take, saving it for the wow. end. Wow. Yeah, I, 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 just gonna, I'm going to bet on the infrastructure. Just hope that Bill Belichick knows more about football than I do and that he's He's going to figure out a way to run that 12 personnel with the two tight ends. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter how much he knows if he if he doesn't have a quarterback who can't throw it over 12 yards. Well, I've got I've got Cam Newton just completely destroying their future with Mac Jones and just yeah, got, making it so that they can't actually get a rebuild going in New England. If Belichick knows as much as he thinks he does, he would tell you to bet on the Dolphins to finish it out of them. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, boom. I'm with. I have the same order. Um, I mean, I could be convinced to like if someone wanted to say that the Pats were nine and eight and the Dolphins were eight and nine, sure. Uh, but I would go Bills, Dolphins, Pats, and the J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets. So there you have it. That is our breakdown of the AFC East division. This is the second divisional preview that we have done so far. 
Um, we'll be putting these out, um, not necessarily on a regular schedule, but once every week, week, week or two weeks, you'll get one of these uh, sandwiched between our regular Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time slot we have with uh, Bucks Report. So make sure you catch us uh, this upcoming Monday at 7 p.m. if you're available. If you want to catch it live, we'd love to get engagement from the audience there. Uh, you can watch that on our YouTube channel, our Twitter page, which is at Bucks Banter, uh, or on Bucks Report Facebook. That's where tons of comments come into their YouTube channel. So it's all over the place. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Bucks Banter. Where can we find you guys? Uh, for anyone who wants to give you guys a follow, let them know. Yeah, I'm at uh, Bo Nose Ball, B-O-H Nose Ball. Uh, come check out what I've got going on over there. Hopefully a little bit more basketball content in the next few weeks, but we're going to get into football as well as the season comes along. So be over there. Absolutely. I'm at, uh, at Captain Ron on Twitter. Cap underscore 10 underscore Ron. Yeah, Twitter. I should probably change it. Uh, no, I just no one's going to find you if you don't tell yeah, me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. doesn't seem like uh, – like he's too too concerned though. He's playing hard to get, folks. <laughs> he's got a blue check mark already. He's good. Yeah, I he's think not playing hard to get visually though. If you see what he's wearing, just just I, on the audio. I literally, though, I had to like paint the blue check mark onto my phone in order for the five <laughs> to come up. So if that counts, then sign me up. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, thanks for listening, and we look forward to filling you in on the next episode of the bucks banter podcast really appreciate you listening and until next time hey banks <laughs>